Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life for this Friday, July 2nd, and boy, coming up this Sunday, (laughs) July 4th, we'll be celebrating America's independence. How this year has flown by for me. I don't know if that's the case for you, but it really has. More than halfway through this year. How are you going to celebrate? Will you get together with some family or some friends? Are you going to grill some burgers, some hot dogs? Maybe you have some potato salad or some watermelon or corn on the cob, some of those traditional kind of summer picnic, 4th of July foods there. Are you going to go to a 4th of July parade in your city or your community? Will you watch a fireworks show? Or maybe if it's legal where you live, will you be setting off your own fireworks? Maybe you'll set them off even if it's not legal. (laughs) I'm not condoning that, but I know that happens. And amidst all of these different celebratory activities this weekend, will you spend much time actually thinking about what freedom means for you and for your loved ones? When I was five years old, I started taking piano lessons. And as with most anything that you might learn when you're young, the lessons were extremely basic. I still remember learning about middle C on the keyboard of the piano. And the very first song in my very first piano book, it was playing middle C four times with my right thumb and then four times with my left thumb, then back to my right thumb, back to my left thumb, four notes each. And it was a simple song. I think it was called something like the March of the Dwarves or the March of the Elves or something like that. And the entire song, it had only that one note, middle C, that was played by alternating back and forth between my two thumbs. But the early progress in piano lessons, it can go very quick if the student is diligent and practices every day between those weekly lessons. I've given piano lessons myself to students. Uh, As an adult, I've, I've given those lessons. And you can always tell the difference between somebody who practices and somebody who doesn't practice. And my mom, when I was learning, she'd wake me up every day before school at 6 a.m. so that I could get my practicing done in the morning. It wouldn't get pushed off or forgotten as the activities of the afternoon or the evening after getting home from school. You know, the day just gets away from you. So every weekday morning, I'd sit at the piano somewhere in that 6 a.m. hour, and I'd play the songs that my piano teacher had assigned to me for that week. And I progressed pretty quickly. Over the next several years, I'd continue to take on more and more complex songs, almost always classical music that I was playing. And while I would be playing different scales and different chords, my piano teacher, she really didn't focus on the basics of scales or chords. So I was only learning how to read those individual notes without understanding the mechanics behind the structure of those notes, the scales and the chords. And year after year, I'd play songs that were growing in difficulty. But when I was 13 or 14, after I'd been playing the piano for eight or nine years, if you would have come up to me and asked me to play an A major scale, I would have struggled trying to find the right notes 
going up or down that scale. I could have done it eventually. I could have, you know, okay, yeah, there's where that note goes and there's where that one goes. And I had played scales in almost every key in a variety of songs through the years, but I didn't really know all the scales themselves. And this was the same for the different chords on the piano. If you're not familiar with music, a basic chord is made up of three notes. And probably the easiest starting point on the piano for playing a chord is going back to what I mentioned, that one note uh, that I very first learned, middle C. And a C major chord is made up of those three notes, C, E, and G. But again, I would have struggled to find, I could have found a C chord, but finding many of the other different chords on the piano, even though I had played most of them in so many different songs, I didn't understand how chords and scales worked in music. So when I was in high school, I wanted to play something else. I I was tired of playing classical music. I wanted to play something that I knew, something that my friends knew. So I started learning songs by people like Billy Joel and Elton John and the Beatles and so many others. And guess what? All of those songs, almost all of their songs, they rely heavily on chords that are being played behind the singing or the melody of that song. And learning how to play those chords in this pop music that I was learning... The scales, the chords, all that would transition between each one of them, it opened up an entire new realm for me in playing music. You see, when you're playing a chord on the piano, there are really only three positions on how you can play that chord. Once you understand those three positions, there's kind of the root position, and then there's two different inversions. And you can repeat those same three positions in any octave, up and down all 88 keys of the piano. And this understanding, it opened up so much freedom in my piano playing. And the funny thing about coming into this freedom in playing the piano, this new world of possibilities that was opened up for me and how I approached songs, this was only possible when I learned more about the rules and the structures within how these notes work together in those chords and those scales. Because before that, The piano was these 88 individual notes or keys that could seem daunting without someone writing down, telling me where to play what note in the exact spot it needed to fall in a piece of music. But with my new understanding of the rules, of the structure of chords and scales, I now was able to move where I wanted inside of that structure i could improvise i could bring my own flavor my own style my own interpretation to a song and i think our current culture tries to tell us that freedom is being able to do anything you want whenever you want with no boundaries and no restrictions but like my experience in learning about the boundaries and the rules of music When we actually have a good understanding of how things are structured, of why things work the way they do, this can give us far more freedom than if we approach any aspect of life without understanding and appreciating those boundaries or restrictions or rules or or why something is the way it is, why that's the best approach to it. And the Catholic Church talks about that all the time, how things are ordered a specific way. And today on The Inner Life, as we look ahead to the 4th of July, celebrating our country's independence and our freedoms here in the U.S., we want to look at our own personal freedoms and religious freedoms that we enjoy here in our country. We want to have a better understanding of how some of those rules, the structures, the order 
that, that our, our faith tells us about, how that can allow us to truly experience freedom in the fullest sense. Helping us to do that today, look at freedom, is Father Joseph Johnson. He's a regular spiritual director here for us on The Inner Life. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, and he's the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Father uh, Joseph, so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life today. And so uh, did you have any music in your, your upbringing? Did you ever have to learn the piano or the guitar or play an instrument in band? You know, I did. Uh, my parents had a piano for us, and so I, though, had the opposite experience. I hate to say it, after all those lessons, uh, years of lessons, but I think our piano was right there in the center of the house. And as soon as you said that your piano practice was at 6 a.m. in the morning, I thought, your mother is a martyr. You know, that <laughs> all, <laughs> well, Both my all mother those... and father were morning people, so yeah, uh-huh. they, they were both I... up and awake. And I was the okay. youngest, so yeah, I, I didn't have a brother or a sister who was annoyed by me playing that early. I was going to say, those scales and things uh, before morning coffee would be a little tough to hear sometimes. But, uh, but no, I, I never practiced like I was supposed to. But, uh, you know, I've always had a great love for music. And we were talking about the, the pop songs for your friends. I thought, well, what about Billy Joel and Journey? You've got to have those in there, too. Those are some great piano songs. But, uh, yes, music is wonderful. And, and sometimes a spiritual life has been compared to it in many ways as a symphony, right, that that each one of us has uh, different uh, gifts and, 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 and trying to coordinate, coordinate all the different sounds, if you will, of an orchestra. That's what the conductor has to do and bring out the best of the violins, the best of the woodwinds, the best of the brass, and have it all come together. This, this is a great uh, image for, for the church and how, how we bring that forth. But as you said, it takes all the mechanics of those scales and, and of music theory and, and of the rest in order to, to get a, a true grasp of what it's all, how it, how it comes together. The person that just sits in the audience and hears the beautiful sound doesn't realize everything that goes into it. That's exactly right. Yeah, and you know, another thing that comes up time and time again here on The Inner Life, almost anything that we talk about, there has to be the effort put in. Uh, the discipline, the practice, you know, and I talked about starting out at, at 6 a.m. in the morning working on those songs. And like you say, the person in the audience, they listen and they say, oh, what a talent. What, you know, those people, they weren't there with the, um, the different people in the orchestra as they've been working for maybe months practicing for an hour, two hours, three hours a day on a certain piece of music. To get the best out of that, I would have people who would come up to me and say, oh, you know, (laughs) you're so talented or, you know, what a gift. Well, yes, there might be some talent. There might be part that it is a gift, but there's also a lot of work, a lot of hours that went in before that. And that's kind of the, the way it is with almost anything in the spiritual life. If we want to experience our life to the fullest in Christ we're going to have to put in that effort, that discipline. There's going to have to be the work put in behind what people might see as an end result. Well, and that's why even in the secular world, they say success is what, 90% perspiration, one, uh, 10% you know, inspiration or something like that. But it's certainly in the spiritual life. And when I deal with people you know, who come and are struggling with, with patterns of sin in particular, the same old sin, and they get discouraged. You know, Father, I just can't break free. You know, since we're talking about freedom, I can't break free of this sin. I'm like, okay, well, 
what are you going to do differently this coming week? Like, well, what do you mean? Well, if you do everything this coming week, just like you did it last week, you're probably ending up in the confessional with the same set of sins. And, and the line I use is this. If nothing changes, then nothing changes, right? If, if I don't use my free will to choose a different way of living this coming week than I did this past week, then I'm going to end up in the same place this coming week that I did this past week. If nothing changes, then nothing changes. So I have to engage my freedom with the grace of God and, and put that, that concrete, the concrete choices, uh, the steps that need to be there to head towards the goal I've identified, a goal in line with God's law, a goal discerned with uh, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit leading me, what is my vocation, how, what are the duties of my state in life, how is God asking me to live this week? You know, as I set those goals, I've set what are the concrete steps that I choose not that, well, I, I, I sure hope that doesn't happen again. That's wishful thinking spirituality, <laughs> uh-huh. wishful thinking, right? Yep. You know, and, and that doesn't ever get us free of sin, and it doesn't ever get us to the goal. You know, I'm, I can't be a pacifist, a bump on the log, waiting for grace to make everything happen for me without me engaging my efforts, you know. And that's, that's where that I have to use my freedom and use the grace given that beautiful cooperation between grace and my choices uh, in order to break free. Uh, Father Joseph, as we do look at talking about freedom, both personal freedom as well as spiritual freedom, religious liberties that we appreciate and enjoy here in our country, I always like to define terms uh, on the show so that we're kind of at the same starting point. We have this common understanding of what we're discussing. So to start out here, can you help us understand what freedom means? And I guess there's, you know, I I mentioned personal freedom and I mentioned religious freedom. Freedom as American citizens, maybe we can start there and some of those personal freedoms that not just as Americans, but are just kind of inherent in being a human. Can can you help us get a good starting point for understanding our personal freedoms? Well, let's yeah, let's begin at the beginning, uh, right? As as as, uh, as Julie Andrews said, you know, when you talk about music, uh, you know, what is the beginning of freedom? Is my creation. You know, each one of us, we have been created in the image and likeness of God. We hear that all the time. Who stops to, to pause and think about what does that mean? What is the image and likeness of God? What is it about me, not my haircut, uh, you know, not my color of eyes? What is it about me that makes me resemble God? How is it that I made as image and likeness? And there's where you find three essential things uh, that, that the human person is created in the image and likeness of God. First, the immortality of the soul. Right? That, that, that God is eternal and God in creating me in his image and likeness has given me a soul that will live forever. So the immortality of the soul is the first thing. Second thing, a ration, a ra- a re- the gift of reason, a rational intellect that uh, that animals can can go off of instinct, but you can't give an algebra problem to your to your dog and ask it to solve it, right? So the gift of reason, to having a, a rational intelligence, 
This is another way that the human person is made in the image and likeness of God. And the third thing, free will. God is free. He's not constrained by anything or anyone. He's totally free. And so in order for me to resemble God, in order for me to be made in the image and likeness of God, I must have freedom. And so God gave us free will. And that's where uh, I, I tease the good Lord. and He's patient with me. I tell him, you know, Lord, this free will, it was a bad idea, right? Uh, that, that there would be no sin, uh, you know, if there was no freedom. They, all these problems in the world that are caused by us making bad choices, none of that would exist if, if, if you had, had not given us freedom. So, Lord, I, I have to tell you, I think free will is a design flaw. And the Lord whispers back to me, Father Joseph, user error. <laughs> right? You know, how many times do we look at the computer or the smartphone or whatever, the TV, and say, this thing doesn't work? And as one of my friends in the IT industry said, because uh, whenever he would get a call from someone in some department, you, you have to come fix my computer. He'd look at his colleague and say, picnic, meaning problem in chair, not in computer, right? Picnic. Uh, you know, that, that you and I, how we use our free will, there is the problem, not the free will itself. Right. Uh, and, and again, we can't be in God's image if we don't have freedom. And that reminds me of where uh, this is St. Paul who writes in his first letter to the Corinthians, in the 10th chapter, he talks about all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. And he repeats this a couple of different times, uh, kind of stating that, yeah, there's a lot you can do, but are you doing it for the building up of the body? Because if you're just doing, if you're just going to be exercising liberty because you have that free will as an end in and of itself, and you're not using it for the common good, you've basically missed the whole point. That's, that's what I've taken away from St. Paul there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and St. Paul's a great one to, to, to explore this whole question uh, because you and I, our freedom is compromised by original sin. You know, we, we are wounded, uh, not utterly depraved, as, as Martin Luther would have it. Uh, we are still capable of choosing the good, but we are wounded and this big fancy word concupiscence uh, is 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 the technical way we could talk about about that that our passions are disordered and and so our free will uh you know has some has some things bearing down upon it that bend it towards uh, apparent goods uh rather than towards the authentically good but it comes down to this question of of love Basically, why when you when you when you are, when I argue with God about free will, in the end, why why does God have the trump card and say, Father Joseph, you're an idiot? There has to be free will, because Saint John describes God as God is love, and what is absolutely required in order to love, freedom. So if I'm to resemble the God who is love, if I'm to have within myself the capacity to love. I have to have freedom. Meaning, if I'm not free to not love you, then I'm not free to love you. I'm just a robot. And God didn't want robots. You know, you could ask your iPhone, 
Siri, do you love me? You know, uh, Siri can't love you. The iPhone can't love you, right? It's only a human person with freedom that has the capacity to love. And that's, that's why free will is such a, a hugely important part of who we are. And that's also how we have to get to an understanding of the commandments of God. We look at the commandments, we think those are restrictions on our freedom. Nothing could be further from the truth. We have it 180 degrees wrong. The commandments protect our freedom. Because St. Paul tells us, what is sin? Slavery. I commit a mortal sin. I have the freedom. I can do it. I can choose the good and holy path of virtue, or I can choose the path of sin. As soon as I choose a mortal sin, I'm now a slave of sin. I can't break free of it. I need to be rescued. Only the grace of God can break me free from that. I can't get myself free of it. The commandments are what keep me free. Mm. Yeah, if anybody's ever been, you know, had debt from school loans or from credit cards or, you know, been underwater there and finally was able to pay those things off and get out from under that. Uh, And I know there are many people who are actually struggling to get out from under that right now. But when you do, that freedom that you experience there, just like you were talking about, Father, the, the freedom from the sin that is that bondage, that slavery that we're in there, uh, there's nothing better than to be in a state of grace. That's, uh, that's one of the best places to be in the world. It is the best place to be in the world, at least here on uh, this earth, uh, <laughs> without counting where we hope to end up in eternity. Our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and we're talking about freedom, looking ahead to to the 4th of July this weekend, and how are you using your freedom, your free will, to love God and to love others? How has that free will that God has given you, how has it allowed you to grow closer to Christ, to have that true love for Christ, especially as on Sunday, the 4th of July, as we celebrate our independence, will also be going to Mass, being able to receive the Eucharist, being able to receive that perfect gift of love that Christ has given us. Our studio line, 888 Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking about our personal freedoms, our freedom in Christ, our religious liberties that we enjoy here in this country, right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. I could let that play on for the next three or four minutes here, but we're not a music program. Uh, Ray Charles there, America the Beautiful, and uh, we are looking ahead to the upcoming celebration of our country's independence, July 4th, this Sunday. 
talking with Father Joseph Johnson, our spiritual director. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and we're talking about our freedom, our personal freedoms, our freedom in Christ, religious liberties that we enjoy here in our country. And uh, Father Johnson, he is a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. And right before the break there, Father Joseph, uh, you talked about the Ten Commandments, how the Ten Commandments can be looked at as uh, a bunch of, you, you can't do this. The church or God is always saying, no, no, no. But you, you said that couldn't be anything further from the truth, that when we have those guidelines, it's really giving us the opportunity to live in freedom. Uh, it, it doesn't make us in bondage, in slavery to sin. And at the beginning of the show, I also mentioned that our contemporary culture really likes to portray freedom with this idea that I can do anything I want and there shouldn't be any limits, any boundaries, any restrictions, uh, that I should be able to absolutely do anything I want, whenever I want, however I want. And anybody who does is... Uh, they're oppressing me or they're being intolerant of how I want to live my life. Uh, but this, this really isn't true freedom because at, at that point, you're not taking into account all the different ways that, you know, I, I, I compared it with learning music. I've also heard it compared with if you want to be able to drive down uh, a highway and there's a guardrail on the highway. Is the guardrail, Im- is it impeding your freedom as you're driving along uh, some sort of cliff? Well, no, it's actually helping to secure your freedom to stay on the road. It's, it's prohibiting your freedom to fall off to your death if you drove off the edge of the highway off that cliff. But the guardrail there that helps you to stay on the road that you want to be on anyway, it's helping you. So, as we talk about what is true freedom and what isn't, have you seen any other misconceptions in our culture of what freedom is? And, and again, when I say what freedom is, it's actually what people want to try and say it is, not what it truly is. Certainly, Josh. And, and, and again, I, I love the fact that you brought up that image about, about the guardrail protecting you know, our freedom because our freedom is to be used to go to a destination, right? And my destination isn't off the side of the cliff. You know, it's to continue up that road to, to the true goal. And that's what we uh, forget so often. And the, the real, the, just a tragedy, Josh, is I think the vast majority of believing, practicing Christians see discipleship of Jesus as something heavy and even oppressive. It's just all defined as restriction. I can't do this. I can't do that. Or as a, as, a, as a mandate, I have to do this. I must do that. And, and the, the sense of freedom is, is gone. That's why we're not evangelizing the world. Because you and I haven't internalized that all of this is about our freedom to love. And that's why I tell my, my parishioners all the time, what is the commandment? It's what love looks like. Right? If I go rob a bank, have I broken a rule? Yeah. But more than that, I haven't been loving towards others. And that's why it's wrong, not because it's a rule. There's a rule because it's not something that's loving. If I kill somebody, have I broken a rule? No, I failed to love. And that's why Jesus said all of the commandments, all of the commandments can be summed up, 
love God, love your neighbor. And when you look at the commandments, don't think about a drill sergeant barking orders. Think about it as this. That's what love looks like. And that freedom is there because love is what is, is being called forth from us. Uh, but but we, we get it wrong. Like the church, when the church teaches on something, you know, we, we get a sense of the church as lawgiver, handing us another rule. And instead, I'd like to take you back to the time when you were a toddler and you were fussing around the kitchen as mom's trying to fix dinner. And is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? You're right. And, and mom's like, go stand over there. You know, I'm, I'm getting things ready. And, and you're just kind of hovering. And mom says, whatever you do, don't touch the stove. Well, now, all of a sudden, what becomes attractive? Huh. There's a rule not to touch the stove. I've really got to touch that stove. Now. I've got to, start, got to touch the stove, right? Uh-huh. So you wait till mom sticks her head in the pantry, and what do you do? She's not looking. Boom, I touch the stove. And then, ouch, it hurts. And mom turns around and says, aha, got you. You broke my rule. Now you can suffer. No, mom doesn't do that. Mom grabs your hand and sticks it under the cold water, the faucet, gets some ice, you know, whatever. She might tell you, I told you so, because there was a rule there, not because mom was imposing her will on you. Mom was coercing you, oppressing you, keeping you from fun and good. Mom was protecting you from the things that would harm you. And that's what Holy Mother Church does. She doesn't keep us away from things that bring joy. Uh, she, she keeps us away from the things that are poison, that hurt us. And when Mother Church gives a rule, it's simply that guardrail. It's protecting you from what would hurt you. And when we break the rule, when we use our freedom, or I say misuse or abuse our freedom to do something, and then we hurt... It's not mom's revenge. That hurt is the consequence of my bad choice. I have brought that pain upon myself by my poor choice. And then Mother Church is there to bring healing. But she tells us the truth. Think of the church as a truth teller. What is, what is good, what is evil, what is, what is beneficial, what is harmful. Don't think of Mother Church as just a lawgiver barking out a whole bunch of commands that have to be followed. Well, and let's continue on with what you're saying there. First of all, I'll throw out the phone number for anybody who's listening. If you have a question about freedom, about free will, about being free in Christ, about looking at the church as the one who is protecting and guiding us to our ultimate home in heaven with Christ, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how are you growing in that freedom to be in Christ not to just do anything you want and to fall into those problem areas, but to truly be free in Christ. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, our email address, com. But as you're talking about truth, again, going back to contemporary culture, Father, there's quite often this uh, sentiment in our culture of, well, truth is relative. That may be true for you, but it's not for me. That may be good for you, 
but that's not the way I want to go. And as Catholics, as Christians, we believe that there is absolute truth. And Jesus even says that, uh, I'm looking at John chapter 8, he says, if you remain in my words, you will truly be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Again, that concept of knowing the truth and then Jesus himself is personified truth. Being able to differentiate between what is true and what is false, again, the more knowledge you have, the more you can follow truth itself. And I mean that both in the sense of knowing right and wrong or knowing good and evil, but also knowing Christ, knowing the truth that is personified. That freedom then, it's just waiting for us there rather than us kind of saying, well, it might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Yes, and I think we see in the statistics uh, how that plays out, right? You can say uh, that you want to reject uh, a traditional family structure and everybody can do whatever they want and there should be no social stigmas and da-da-da-da, and what it, the statistics bear it out, that leads to all of this unhappiness, right? That, that So you shall know them by their fruit, Jesus also says. And the fruit of the relativism, the fruit of people choosing against uh, the commandments, uh, then, then we see it's bad fruit, and it's produced so much wreckage in our society, so much unhappiness and hurt in so many people. You know, what did our founding fathers say? You know, we, that, that, that these are self-evident truths that they were talking about. Self-evident truths. That people of goodwill don't need a catechism, don't even need the Bible to be able to say certain things we can all agree upon are beneficial. We are so far from that now. We are so far where we can't agree that there is even such a thing as truth. You know, but I tell you, if you say that that stove is not going to be harmful and you touch it and it's hot, you're still going to hurt even if you think it's not. Right? You know, and and that's the thing. Truth applies whether you acknowledge it or not. So you say, I'm going to go do my own thing. Okay, there are going to be bad consequences if you go in a direction of sin. Whether you acknowledge that it's a sin or not, truth still applies. If I'm on a cruise ship going around the world, and I think the world is round and you think it's flat, and we get to the equator... Poof, do you disappear because you think we just went off the edge and I stay on? <laughs> nope, we're nope. both still on that ship because truth applies whether you acknowledge it or not. Or the other thing right now in our society, of course, is I get to identify myself as however right. I want, right? That's so, okay, exactly what I was I, thinking, yeah. Okay, but, well, well, Josh, here, work with me here. Yeah. Father Joseph is now, I've decided I want to identify as a bird, okay? So I'm going to climb to the top of my church, and I'm going to stick my arms out. And you're going to say, uh, Father Joseph, I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm going to say, Josh, how dare you? You can't tell me who I am. I'm a bird. And you're going to say, Father Joseph, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm going to say, Josh, you're oppressing me. How dare you? You're, you're robbing me of my identity. You don't understand. You don't care. And I'm going to take a big jump and flap my arms and I'm going to soar like an eagle. No, I'm going to go splat on the sidewalk down below. And Josh is going to, I hope, you're going to call an ambulance. 
because my bones are going to be broken even though I thought I could fly. Because truth applies whether I acknowledge it or not, and I'm not a bird. And if I try to act like a bird, I'm going to get hurt. One example I remember hearing, Father Joseph, is um, for people who suffer with eating disorders, you know, if somebody is dealing with anorexia, and when they look in the mirror, they see themselves as being extremely overweight, extremely heavy, extremely fat, however you'd want to phrase that. That might not be the truth of reality. They might have a warped image. But as you say, they identify as being this really large or obese person. And they might have starved themselves to where they're very unhealthy and rather thin, emaciated even. But they still see themselves in this state of being overweight or obese. And there has to be a reconciliation of knowing, coming to terms with you don't actually see yourself in the true way that you are. There's a a, a disorder, and that's what we call it when somebody has that problem. They call it an eating disorder. You have a disordered view of yourself. And so that can apply to any of those other ways that people identify is that really a true ordered way of how you see yourself? And so that, that concept of truth, Father, I think it's so important for us that we can't, we can't just kind of wash past it. We can't sweep it under the rug and say, oh, well, maybe in some areas. No, truth really needs to be truth, and we need to acknowledge it even if – and we need to do everything in love. You know, you talked about are we, are we using our freedom, uh, our personal freedom there, our free will – to love God and to love others. And so we can't beat them up with saying, I want the best for you and I'm trying to help you to see the truth here. That truth has to be communicated in love. And that's, that's absolutely true, you know, that, that this, in order for that person who has the eating disorder to, to, to break free from that false self-image, they need to trust somebody else to tell them objectively what is the truth. You know, uh, but in order for me to hear you tell me something that goes against what I'm seeing, I have to trust you. And, and that trust comes because of love, right? That I know that you love me and you want the best for me. And so even though it looks like this to me, and I really want it, I trust that, that because you love me, that you're telling me something that is good for me. And, and, but I have to open myself up to that trust. And that's why amidst all of the, the pastoral care for those who are uh, either suffering from same-sex attraction or transgender issues and all of this, uh, you know, that it's clear we have to keep to the truth, but it's also clear we have to have compassion. We don't want to, to, to use the truth as a club to beat people over the head with and say, you're wrong. We have to say... God loves you, the church loves you, I love you, and that's why we want you to understand this. Uh, but but if, we, if we don't come with that message of love and care, then they're not open to trusting. And if they're not open to trusting, they're not open to hearing the truth. And if they're not hearing the truth, they're not breaking free of the disorder. They're not breaking free to live in the freedom uh, of God's child. 
that, that, that he's, he wants to give them. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Johnson, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis in Minnesota. And we're talking about our freedoms as individuals, as Christians, as Catholics. And coming up after the break, we're also going to talk about some of the religious liberties that we enjoy in our country here in the U.S. And our studio line is open for your call at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. What has helped you to have a better understanding of how you can enjoy being free in Christ? Uh, even when we look at the world around us and they have maybe a different message of what freedom is, how have you learned what true freedom is in Christ? Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. More to come here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. He's the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, talking today about freedom, looking ahead to the 4th of July coming up this Sunday and, of course, talking about our personal freedoms, uh, freedoms that we have in Christ, and also want to talk about religious liberty, religious freedoms that we uh, appreciate here. And, Father Joseph, if I, I presume you are probably a native to the U.S., and like me, you've grown up, you've lived here your whole life. Living here, growing up here, we not, might not appreciate the great gift of religious liberty, religious freedom that we have in the United States. Can you give us a little background on why we shouldn't take this for granted, why this is so important, and uh, how this really – it gives – we saw with the founding of the U.S. something that really helped – go more global in so many different areas with religious liberty. And, and and it means so much to us. But again, I think it's one of those things that we can take for granted. Oh, I think we do take for granted so much of what we enjoy as, as blessings here. You know, I, I am certainly uh, from the United States, or actually I should say I'm from Texas, which usually considers itself to be part of the United States. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I lived many years in Europe, and uh, living there, I was able to meet people who had very different experiences. I was able to travel to places that did not have a tradition of freedom. I walked through Checkpoint Charlie. For those of you old enough to remember the Berlin Wall, Checkpoint Charlie was that famous you know, uh, gateway between the east and the west uh, uh, of that divided city. I walked through it just a couple of months before the whole wall came tumbling down. You know, and and then I was living in Rome following the fall of communism, and and people came from the east in droves and shared their experiences of what it's like to live in places that don't have freedom, uh, and that's that's what makes me when I look at our very imperfect system uh, and and see certainly there are there are injustices within our country, but we have so many blessings. Uh, why uh, focus on the warts? Uh, 
when you see the beauty of the whole. Don't, that doesn't excuse the injustices. That doesn't mean we shouldn't still apply ourselves to rectifying injustices, uh, but, but not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, uh, not to, to, to fail to appreciate and to give thanks for the great good that, that in our society was founded with respect for the human person, uh, now, obviously, that respect evolved over time to be more encompassing. So it wasn't just uh, men, but but women. It wasn't just white people, but uh, others as well. You know, the, it's an evolution. But it started with this great idea that we keep unpacking what that means and keep trying to apply it better, more consistently uh, in in our society. Uh, but but we we have to really get down on our knees and give thanks for the blessings that we have here, uh, and and not just have a, a sour taste because there are some things that still sadly uh, need to be improved. Right. Yeah. And just being appreciative for what we do have doesn't mean that we ignore the things that aren't perfect right now. That those. Oh, of course not. Yeah. We we want those to be brought to where. Uh, things are just, things are right, and we shouldn't settle. Um, the Christian has a duty to to right. to engage with the society, and we we should complacency is is death for us uh, in the spiritual life individually. But it's also the opposite of what God wants the Christian to be involved in the society around, and we will never rest until the society around us resembles the kingdom of God, uh, which is is a is a. A journey that's never going to, we're never going to run out of room for improvement, let's say. Well, and as you're talking about how we have evolved as a country, how there has been more understanding of the, uh, the words that were written in the Declaration of Independence, the words that we are governed by in our Constitution, you know, those inalienable rights that God has bestowed upon every person, that right there unpacking that or going deeper, we can do that to a certain degree just by virtue of our intellect. But as we see in so many, basically any other area, when we look at what God has revealed in his word, in his message, through his son to us, we take what the church looks at beginning with natural law and says that's a great starting point we can build upon that in a huge way. And that, that goes the same for any of our religious rights or religious liberties. Yes. And the, the problem right now is that the, the evolution of our uh, ideas about our rights and what freedom means is, is taken a, a swerve. Uh, and, and so what we face right now is the great battle between human rights and religious rights. You know, uh, so the example of the, that baker in Colorado who's uh, gone to the Supreme Court and, and, and won but still being harassed and, and all this, you know, what, what, what the people on one side are saying is how dare he not serve some people because he disagrees with them. You know, if someone said, I'm not going to bake a cake for you because you are black, we would all agree that's bigotry, that's wrong, Right. Uh, but then how is it that we can say that he doesn't have to do that cake for a same-sex wedding couple, right? So human rights, that not to be discriminated against, what we'd say is bigotry and other things, all of a sudden, wait a minute, now his religious liberties are engaged. 
How do we balance those two things? And that's, the, that's, that's where the friction in our society is right now, is because we have these opposing ideas of human rights and religious rights because they've, they've become detached from truth. You know, truth keeps all of our rights together. Truth gives us a consistent understanding of freedom. Truth gives us a consistent vision of love and compassion for everyone. Uh, and as soon as we give into this individualism and individual rights and all of this, you know, we, we begin to tear away at the fabric of the common good. Uh, and, and then we lose ourselves and, and find things in, in opposition. We're down to just our last couple of minutes here, but, uh, you know, as we've been talking about different freedoms that we enjoy, we read in the scriptures, we hear about all sorts of times. You know, I, I mentioned uh, Jesus saying, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Uh, we, we hear St. Paul talk about how we are set free in Christ. You talked about at the beginning of the program that if we are struggling with a sin, that's where the bondage, the slavery is right there. But if we're doing, if we are struggling with that in our lives, if we don't feel like we've been able to experience that freedom in Christ, what do you think are some practical ways in these last couple of minutes that we can begin to experience that freedom? Is there a specific prayer or devotion or something that you might recommend to those wanting to make those strides towards living that life that truly is free in Christ? Number one danger to avoid discouragement. Even the Apostle Paul wrote, why do I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do, right? So don't get discouraged. That's Paul after his conversion on the road to Damascus, right? So struggles are with us, and sometimes we make those bad choices and all this. So trust in God's mercy that he loves you no matter how many times you fall in that sin, no matter how bad that sin is. Don't listen to the voice that says give up, Hmm. right? Uh, But don't give in to wishful thinking, Use your freedom. Choose it. Concrete steps. Take boundaries. I need to protect myself from the things that trip me up. You know, I need to be realistic. And that requires humility. I need accountability. I need safeguards. And I need a deep life of prayer. Maybe somebody else could get through this day with five minutes of prayer without stumbling. Maybe I have to have daily mass, the rosary, and a holy hour in order to not stumble. And I need to be humble enough to, to, to know what, what is my weakness and what I need to do uh, to rely on the Lord. I always say I need a declaration of dependence on the Lord uh, mm-hmm. to help me. Yeah. You know, and, and then to know of God's love that, that's there for us. And it's worth choosing. It's worth giving up everything else to choose that love. Absolutely. Father Joseph Johnson, we're down to about our last uh, 15 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a final blessing as we conclude the program today? For all those who are listening, for all those who are struggling in the, in the slavery of sin, for all of our nation hurting with divisions, may God bless each one of you and may God bless America in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Joseph, for being our spiritual director today. If you missed any part of the program, you can always go back and listen to the podcast. A big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Mariano Gomez for their help in producing the program today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and a blessed 4th of July, and we'll see you back here next week on The Inner Life. Stay tuned. Mass is next here on Relevant Radio. Relevant Radio.